Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, we are back in the Detroit Is Different podcast studios. And today I got people from the Detroit Is Different family. One of the anchor people, one of the most creative people we have in Detroit and one of my closest to homies. Usually we're laughing and joking as much as people think you guys are community people, always doing the activism and the organizing. But if you have the chance to witness me and Piper together, it's usually a fest of laughing and and fun and jokes and so much more piper carter how are you doing today i'm great kari i'm so proud of you thank you yeah i'm so proud of you detroit is different has upgraded i know on all levels we we've moved on up to the east side yeah and i like all of the equipment upgrades thank you i like the programming upgrades i love how you have pivoted as they say after covid mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, we, um, we definitely had to, uh, step things up, uh, and keep things going. This is very difficult staying moving with content. And for many people that listen to the network, because Detroit is different is also a network. If people don't know, you're one of the anchoring podcasts where people check out the network. The Piper Carter podcast now has been around for a couple years now. Didn't you start in 2018, 18. And I was one of the main people saying, Piper, get a podcast, get a yeah. podcast. Yeah. And I think you turned me down like three times and then I was was like yeah. all right i'll do it no it, it i didn't really like turn you down per se <laughs> i really wanted to do a podcast uh-huh and i just needed the support that you gave me to figure out what i would do it about like yeah. what i would do it on that was really more what it was and i was like piper People want to hear from you because as they know, if people don't know, Piper uh, from, you know, we found hip hop, women in hip hop, photography, activism, uh, environmental organizing around activism, and then just a great friend to so many people, uh, stage productions uh, and somebody to talk to about being vegetarian, being vegan, uh, finding cool herbs and spices, uh, cool ways to make lemonade and teas and meditation and just so much stuff. And then also mm -hmm. we'll argue with you about, you know, what KRS-One album is the best. <laughs> that is Piper Carter, you know, so. Yeah, um, and we know it's poetry, so. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I can already hear uh, Super MC like, no, you know it's entertainment. <laughs> yeah. No, entertainment. You know. No, I mean, it's got to be because, you know, that was the best album. Uh -huh. I mean, even though, even though Criminal Minded, Criminal -minded. is still, even though it's Ratchet. You, it's consider, still, you consider that KRS-One or do you consider that BDP? It is BDP. Technically, uh -huh. it is BDP. However, that beat to this day is like a, just a beat that gets me going. I really love that beat like so much, but in terms of, um, but KRS one was one of the MCs that we centered our life around. I will say 88, you know, um, 
Yeah, it was all about all about KRS One. Broken down to the very last compound. Yeah, you know, so. I mean that that album was so pivotal in our lives. It was like a pivotal moment um, in our young, you know, adolescence and growing up. And you know, everyone has the, that era where they remember their youth, and that one. Uh, that that year, nineteen eighty eight was that was I think I was sixteen, so that whole year was you know hip hop had changed it had transformed from this one type of sound, and that mm-hmm. summer there was all this different you know amazing yeah. hip hop music, and hip hop just exploded at that time into this you know multifaceted genre. And that's when, you know, we, we had been loving hip hop. We'd been loving the run DMC. We'd been loving all the music, but 88 was like that year. It's hard to, yeah. to, 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 you to know, break. It, it was definitely a shift in the sound. Yeah. Uh, I was much younger, but I followed, but being younger, you know, you dig more of the commercialism as well. So, you know, I had my fat boys, you know, <laughs> we are back. <laughs> we will never be whack Hilarious. and so much more you know i think uh it's so funny my nephew uh watched the disorderly so he'd be like the fat boys the fat boys and i'm like man i guess the fat boys were marketing the children <laughs> they were they were if you look backwards now at all of the things that you ever liked in your whole life you'll you can actually see who is the the market yeah for whatever it is right yep. and you could definitely see the fat boys and and you know shouts out to uh prince marky d yeah rest in peace you rest know in rest peace, in peace buff. rest in power yeah and you know um with the fat boys though i will say something that really hurt was the uh what, the sexual song they did assault with the beach boys no that well oh, okay. no well the, the sexual <laughs> assault allegations mm. well not just allegations the you know, underage, um, you know, assault that, that, um, uh, that took place. Um, it was the, the, wh- which one is the one that passed away first? Buff, buff. Buff. I mean, as we know, most the, I mean, it, from the Detroit, the concept of the buff Cartier lenses comes mm. from rocking the buff mm. from the buffs. Mm. So it's like, I'm rocking buffs. Like, I don't think a lot of people know and the Buffalo Tusk. Mm. But yeah, uh, definitely. But, you know, uh, we can talk hip hop, but I want to talk Piper Carter. We usually start these interviews. Last time you were on, it was an interesting like blend between you and Zayna from Spectacles. But your family's journey in Detroit. And uh, this is an interesting time to be retrospective about that because your mom recently passed. Yeah. Um, Rest in power. Rest in peace. My queen, my love, my heart, my everything, my confidant, my best friend. I'm like, mm. I just love my mom so much. I just miss you so much, mommy. Yeah, and your mom was so proud of you. But before we go there, what what was the catalyst? How did your family come to Detroit? What I know is my mother's father okay. was the person. Well, actually, my mother's mother and my mother's father, they're both from Alabama. Whereabouts? So my grandfather, they are the Reesers, the Burrells, and they are, um, they're from deep in, if I'm not mistaken, it's called Thomaston, 
Mm-hmm. And um, we're talking like if we have to give proximities, we're talking somewhere close to um, like Birmingham or Huntsville, but they're not from the cities, right? Mm-hmm. They're from like deep in the country. And my mother's family is um, those are the Hildreths and the Glass. And um, they're from also down uh, in Thomaston. Um, it's called Marengo County. Marengo County. That's where they're from. And my grand, my on my mother's father's side, my his grandmother um, was Native American. Her name was Rose. Mm-hmm. And she was married to his grandfather and that's the whole lineage from there and they are what would be considered blackfoot indian hmm. and or it, that that's the name of their um tribe and so he, the story goes that she was taken by a white mob and murdered hmm. and he that she gave birth to all of her children and then he later remarried another woman and so had um another set of children from that lineage and then uh you know they built up you know down down south there their family on my mother's mother's side they are uh my mother actually and my aunt put together our family they call it our family bible but it's our family book it has our whole family history with pictures that date all the way back to um um like beginning 1800s and so um they he actually was what you would call a freed slave Mm-hmm. And so he purchased land and then he actually owned all of the land. And so from my grandmother all the way back, all that whole lineage, they've always been free and they've always um, owned their land. They built the town, they built the school, they built, they owned all their businesses and they always would say, you know, quote unquote, like white folks had to come to daddy to work meaning that they would come to you know their father's um farm or plantation if you will to get work from them um and yeah that's a pretty interesting lineage there and so we still own a lot of property down down there there in in alabama yeah we still own all of that what's unique is and you said you came here uh that's very similar to the story of uh coleman young's family coming here uh, mm-hmm. It was uh, in Coleman Young's autobiography, Hard Stuff You Learn About. And this isn't j- this was very common uh, when we think about the atrocities and murders of uh, black men and women from the mm-hmm. Ku Klux Klan yeah. uh, and mobs or however you look at it, police uh, at that time leaving and fleeing the mm-hmm. south along with uh what sometimes was labeled as the great migration mm-hmm. uh even uh even jane uh you know as we know james box uh mm-hmm. so jimmy Boggs and and coleman young and their stories they speak about this so i'm sure it was very common to leave there and come here and it's interesting that you said that your family came here because where did they end up moving when they got here 
Well, so my grandfather, he actually did come for that auto boom. Yeah. And um, I'm not exactly sure the year, but it was, uh, I think, like late 30s, early 40s, something okay. like that. Okay. Um, and then my, I think it was like late What 30s. neighborhood? Because the reason well, it was I Black asked, Bottom. Because even Black Bottom had certain blocks and streets and communities that where it'd be like nothing but black folks from Alabama, nothing but black folks from, you know, a lot of the migration here, the migration patterns, you'll run into a lot of families from Georgia, Alabama. Uh, like it was like a certain stream, just knowing how the trains ran. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of those families from Arkansas and Louisiana would be in Chicago. And then uh, certain families from Florida would go end up like in New York or Pittsburgh. Like the train routes kind of set up for mm -hmm. different families coming. And I was asking for that because even the neighborhoods in Black Bottom mm -hmm. were you know, a lot of these folks were from Alabama. Well, I know a lot my, of these folks were from Georgia, you know. Yeah, I know my mom grew up on Waterloo Street. And okay. I know my, my grandmother moved here to actually help her sister because her sister was living up here. And my grandmother's cousin knew my grandfather and introduced my grandmother to my grandfather. Yeah. And my grandfather had already had three wives before my grandmother. And it's interesting. They were all from the same neighborhood town in Alabama. Ain't that something. And so um, he knew how to spot a woman from down there, didn't he? Well, yeah, this is interesting because they were all from Marengo County and my, uh -huh. and they all went to this boarding school and it was called Marengo County training school. And, um, they were all, you know, they all were from like that you know, same neighborhood. And then, and my grandmother actually is, uh, was a college graduate. She graduated from Alabama. Um, at that time it was called Alabama state teachers college, but okay. now it's called Alabama A&M. Mm -hmm. So she actually had a degree from university when she met my grandfather. And okay. she told me that she decided to be a housewife. Um, she was a teacher and she was teaching and had this whole career. But then when she got married, she decided she wanted to raise her kids. Yeah. And on my on my father's side, it's a bit different. My father's mother and father, they're from Tennessee. Okay. And they're from, um, it's a town called Covington, which is not far from Memphis. And that's unique because a mm -hmm. lot of those, when we think about the patterns, mm -hmm. a lot of the families from Tennessee would go further west, like to Chicago. Mm. So, you know, it like the, like some of this is just always so unique. And then, you know, Chicago and Detroit, we're like kindred spirits. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, we're like mm -hmm. cousins or something. So, you yeah, know, very, very similar, you know. Well, what's interesting, my father was born down south. Okay. In Tennessee. Okay. And then, and my grandmother moved here. She actually, her and my father's father, they divorced mm -hmm. and my grandmother remarried. I'm not sure when, because it was before I was born, because the grandfather that I grew up with, um, you know, God rest his soul, Alvis Mabin. Uh, it's interesting, like, even though his name is Mabin, I never even realized that he wasn't my blood grandfather but it, until it, it was older. You know, uh, as we know, uh, Father's Day just passed. I mean, mm -hmm. so much of it is it's built on the relationship. The blood definitely matters from the sense of DNA. But I mean, when we think about 
especially the culture, uh, black cultures, uh, you know, rooting back to African culture. I mean, the, the idea of what that role of parenting is and the whole idea of, you know, children or wives or husbands being like, you know, that's mine or that's property, as opposed to uh, the openness and oneness of community uh, and those bonds that can be built. It's really built on love and that strength. And you know something that's interesting so my grandmother, where she's from, so my grandmother, my father's mother, she's Native American. She's mm -hmm. what you call a, they, they, she's what you call a black Indian. And so um, she actually kept the culture, had the medicine, things like that. But growing up, you know, she always would teach me that, you know, you're like telling me, you know, you're black, you're culturally black. But she would also teach me about my so-called Cherokee medicine, if you will. And, you know, stories and, and that kind of thing. And um, there we went on a, uh, we had like a gathering of um, for a social justice gathering. And at one of the social justice gathering, it was a gathering of healers. And there were some like native healers and one of them is this elder her name is miss mary crow i love her so much and um i was looking at her and she looks exactly like my grandmother like it was so it was like i was seeing my grandmother hmm. you know like back to life and when i went up to her like after she did ceremony and everything i went up to her and i was like you look just like my grandmother she was like i was looking at you and you look like you're one of my family. And I told her where my grandmother was from. And Mary is from exactly where my grandmother's wow. from. And same body type, same features, same everything is just like my grandmother and my aunt and my dad and that whole side. Okay. And um, she was making a joke like, you're one of us, you're one of us. But I'm just saying that to say that um, when we talk about our lineage and things um it's interesting as so-called african-americans our lineage is also you know we are we are native we have some of the colonizer in us you know we have the different um what what wherever we were brought here from you know in africa or if we were brought here because some of us we're not brought here, right? Like some of us have been here forever yeah, and ever and ever. I mean, as we know, you know? Uh, we're learning more about that as time goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely uh, the the influence of what we label as, I say black, but uh, black, mel more melanated folk yeah. have been <laughs> across the world. As we know, the cradle of civilizations comes from where the most melanated people are. So uh, as we stretch, it goes to different places. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we talk about that stretching. Uh, let, let's get more into it in the classic Piper sense. You break it down to history and stuff. It's, it's such an interesting <laughs> back and forth. It's like interviewing Pipers. It, 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 it keeps you on your heels in the interviewer chair. Um, you and your background. So mm -hmm. let, let's get into where did you grow up? What neighborhood? So I grew up in so many places. So. So let's talk about your first Detroit memory of a neighborhood, because I do know you've, you've yeah. traveled. But well, Detroit so the thing is, the, this is this is my I'll tell you my history in very brief. OK, so I was born in Highland Park, HP, Highland Park Hospital. 
Uh, HP Hospital. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, Highland Park had a hospital. Yes. And I was and born a, there. And a college. It is now torn down. Yep. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, so I was born there. When I was two, my mother, well, my father moved to Los Angeles to pursue his acting career mm-hmm. and, in Hollywood. My mother moved to New York City. Mm-hmm. And we lived there, went to this really prestigious exclusive private school it's called um hunter college elementary school for the gifted you have to get tested okay. into the school they only accept like 20 like kids a montessori a year. school it's it's a, a very exclusive like private school that you have yeah. to take iq tests like all this crazy stuff mm-hmm. and i went there um and then uh when i was like seven my mother moved back to detroit and she went to live with my grandmother her mother where at so that neighborhood, I don't know what they call it now because, you know, white folks have renamed all these neighborhoods around here. However, it was on <laughs> Pennsylvania Okay. between the 94 freeway and Shoemaker. Ah, okay. East side, east side. East side, okay. So it's, it's, like, it's by Rashid, Van Dyke, McClellan, French, that what do whole you, area. What do you remember as a kid what that east side neighborhood was like? It was beautiful. We're talking the 70s. Okay. And my family was very close knit. All my cousins and everything lived a, a block or two away from us. My grandmother's house was the house where everyone came to. My grandmother would have food on the stove. And it was interesting. Everyone would always come by through the kitchen, through the back door in the kitchen. And there would always be food and there would always be cousins and uncles and aunts. And everyone would always be coming by, say hi, hang out. Did do you remember if uh, I know from that age, it's hard to know distance, but did they stay close? Were they yeah, we nearby? Walked. Yeah, okay. everyone lived within walking distance. So okay. everyone was always walking over or you'd walk over their house. But usually everyone came to our house. And um, at that time, my my cousin auntie worked <laughs> at what was called Operation Get Down. Operation ah, Get Down still exists. Operation Get Down, uh, Bernard Parker, uh, and that family connected to, uh, well, now it's, I think it's Barack Obama Cat- Academy, but as we know, the Timbuktu Academy uh, on the East Side, African centered learning. Uh, yeah, and martial arts. Yeah, yeah. And so at that time, Operation Get Down was kind of a central place because in that neighborhood there was a 4-H, and the 4-H had the pool that was up Gratiot. There was, um, you know, it was a beautiful energy on the block. It was a type of street where when, like, everybody knew each other. When we went to the corner store, it was black-owned, and you could get some chips, and if you didn't have money, he'd be like, don't worry about it. Just pay me later. And, you know, this kind of thing, you know? And um, like I said, everyone was friends. We would have, uh, my, my cousins were kind of rough, and they always wanted to toughen me up because I was kind of, you know, intellectual. <laughs> and, you, went to, uh, you went to the uh, the school for the gifted. As well, they yeah. And so, you know, they'd be like, hey, you need to um, fight this person and that person. And I'd always be like, why can't we have a discussion? And uh, they'd Hilarious. be like, no. So they would make the circle and you'd have to get in the circle. And then they would nudge you. It was and like, you it had was to like fight. the warriors. It was like warriors. And then you'd have to fight each other. And they had what was called 30 seconds. And so um, you had to you had to battle someone for 30 whole seconds. And then if you lost, you lost. If you won, you won. It was no mm. 
like coming back, you know, it was like these, it was really strange. Um, mm. We, I remember I had, uh, you know, like businesses. I would always have businesses. I was like my mom. Okay. My mom was very entrepreneurial. I, ha- I would make all this interesting lemonade what was, and things. Uh, what was your first business you remember? Lemonade stand. Ah, okay. How did you make your lemonade as a child? Um, fresh lemons. Okay, it wasn't just Kool Aid. Ain't that so? We, you know, Kool Aid was not allowed in my home. <laughs> Kool Aid was not allowed in my home. So, um, I would I would do fresh lemons. Okay. And um, I would you know have like the ice cube tray, mm-hmm. and then I would um you know have like the different fruits inside the ice cube tray. Ah. And then I would put it like the, you know, you freeze the fruits in the ice yeah. cube tray and then, you know, put them in the. It was like the, fruit infused lemonade. Pretty much. Okay. Although I didn't know that's what it was what as it a was. kid. It See, just sounded look, fun. Piper it was, it was fruit <laughs> infused lemonade. It, I remember from uh, Pee Wee Herman, he'd make like the weird popsicles and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would make those popsicles with the toothpicks. Yeah. yeah with yeah. orange juice and stuff in the ice trays as mm-hmm. well. So I was an and apple. I did orange juice or apple juice, you know, um, or grape juice or whatever. And I would sell those. Where okay. were they like a nickel, 25 cents? I don't remember. It was something like that. Okay. And then, um, and then, but I would always get beat out when the ice cream truck would come. So oh, yeah, I would always yeah, try to yeah. find out when the ice cream truck yeah, was it coming. Yeah, Mr. Softy. So I can make my money. And Mr. Softy's going to kill your profit margins. Yeah. Take so all your customers. I would always, always get my money, you know, before the ice cream truck. But, um, but yeah, my mom, my mom moved back here. It was 78 when my mom moved back here. I was like, I don't know, around seven or so. And then uh, she enrolled me in Nataki Taliba, ah. which was African centered school, private African centered school. It was like a private African centered Montessori school. Definitely uh, Carmen M. Namdi mm-hmm. uh, and her vision. I'm a Nataki kid too, but you were one of the early Nataki. Wait a kids. minute, you were Nataki. I was we have a that Nataki in common kid. too. So we have Nataki kid. and Northwestern in common. <laughs> Hilarious! I did yes. not know this. It, yeah, Nataki and Northwestern could not be more polar opposite <laughs> of a cultural experience. <laughs> it was like uh, culture shock. <laughs> exactly from from uh, from the Black National Anthem to Zone Eight. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting, so at Nataki, well, you went there, but Nataki was such a loving place and it was creative and, you know, we were allowed to just be and flourish and our, all, many of our teachers were also parents of, young, you know, the young people going there. So it was a family environment. Um, Dr. Jewel Pukram was one of our parents and she was also our nutritionist. You know, we had just really, we met. Bishop Tutu, um, Nikki Giovanni came to our class. I remember I read my haiku to Nikki Giovanni mm. and I was just so excited. Um, and we were just, you know, we just had a different way that we were taught and nourished and encouraged. And then um, when I was like 11, um, I went to go live with my father. That was middle school. They call it middle school in Detroit and New York, they call it um, intermediate school. Um, or they might call it junior high school. But I went to IS44, which is on 77th Street in Columbus mm. in Manhattan. Mm. And um, so I went to intermediate school there. And that was cool because I was during the height of hip hop. And I was a B-girl. And I was dancing in the circle. And Brandeis High School was on the corner of my block. that I lived on 84th between Amsterdam and Broadway 
and I remember like Timok um, from the Last Dragon. Last Dragon, as people know, Bruce Leroy. Yeah, he went to our school, and so he came back at when we we went to go see the um, movie. He's like, he came back on some like, hey, y'all want to see the movie? And it's well, like, yes, yeah, so I he sure invited, do. and it was out during that time. Uh-huh. So our teacher took us, and then you know invited us. So invited for, him. for young people, it'd be like Michael B. Jordan going to your high school, pretty much, and uh, coming and showing up. Yeah. Yeah, everyone was going cuckoo and um, it was awesome. And then they would have if you if you when we did the book, um, Can't Stop, Won't Stop, the history of hip hop book. um, It's explained in there that Brandeis High School was that school. Well, and that corner in the park there was where a lot of the um, B-boys and things would go. Mm -hmm. It was one of them. There were many, but that was one. And that was actually where we would be at the park. So it was actually that, that is like a historic place. So I was dancing and being a B-girl. I wasn't like amazing. You know, I was, it was like the equivalent of, um, how kids grow up, like, you know, playing basketball at the court. Yeah. It was like that. Like it was like the equivalent of like just going to the the street ball court. It wasn't like you're a star unless you're like a real star. Yeah. Then you're like a star. But other than that, you go and you play and then, you know, but no one knows who you are. You're just there and you can say, oh, yeah, I was there in, you know, 83, 84, you know, mm-hmm. okay. and then um, 85. And then when I came back to Detroit, I came back to live with my mother. That yeah. was in um, 86. What neighborhood? So my mom at, at that time had moved to 12th Street. Ah, right over here. Where at in 12th? Um, 12th and the Boule- West Grand Boulevard. Ah, so she's like right, right across the street, the street from, from uh, uh, Motown. Right across the street from Motown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so um, it was a few choices of school. My entire family, including my dad, not my entire family, but a lot of people in my family had gone to Cass. So everyone naturally was like, "Well, Piper, you're gonna go." to Cass or Renaissance and at and that wait, time and Renaissance was like starting up at that point in time yeah. Renaissance was like a new idea some of those yeah. foundational Renaissance graduates like uh Catherine Kelly and Eric Campbell they're all definitely very influential people still throughout the city of Detroit but oh uh, yeah it was a very elitist situation <laughs> and um I uh I just I, I I told my mother I was like mommy I just want to go to a regular school and my whole family was like, why, why would you want to be normal? And I was like, I just want to go to school with normal people, normal kids. But, um, but I'm so happy were, I did. You were going to like the more uh, Montessori type schools most of your life. So you yeah, had that experience. Smarty so, classes. I was yeah. always in advanced placement and that stuff. And ironically, when I got to Northwestern, they had started this program called Omega. Mm-hmm. And it was the so-called Smarty Kids and it was this pilot program where they took all the kids who they thought would make it because mm-hmm. they thought like everyone else wouldn't. And so they, is, they uh, took all the kids who thought they'd make it and put us all together. And we had all our classes together mm-hmm. for the entire four years that wow. we were at the school. Interesting. And so, yeah. And, the, and then we had like higher education curriculum, like college level curriculum, like, you know, AP classes, if you will. So we were like, yeah, like AP basically advanced placement but within this public school but northwestern also was a school of the arts because we didn't have a school of the arts at the time well Cass was too 
Cass had a great uh, arts program, but for, but, for uh, everybody to know, you know, I am the president of the alumni, but also in knowing Northwestern, Nor Northwestern has a planetarium, yeah. a radio television studio. But, you know, this is not even uncommon for certain schools. You know, Cody has a whole printing press inside of it. And Central has a television film production studio. So, like, so it's assets inside these Detroit public school buildings where you'd be surprised. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, like I said, at that time, Detroit did not have a school of the arts. Mm -hmm. They didn't get the school, the, the Detroit School of the Arts until like 94. And I graduated in 90. But in 86, when I started there, um, like I said, I was in like the advanced placement classes. It was called um, Omega. And so they were like, it was an experiment. And they were like, what happens if we take these kids to try to save them? And, you know, they all do really well academically. What if we just put them, instead of them being like the smartest kid in, in their one class, what if you just put them all together and then we keep them together for all these four years? So we did that. And then we had our lunch and our electives with quote unquote regular kids. Yeah. And I was in that. And then I was also, um, you know, a cheerleader. Yeah. I was in dance. Um, I was class president. I was a mascot. Yep. And you went you to know. high school with a couple other people like my homie Kool-Aid. Yeah, we Rest were in, in the peace, same year. Rest in peace, Kool-Aid. And then you also Shani. went with the funky drummer. Oh, yeah. Oh, the other comedian, Shawnee D. Mm -hmm. And the funky drummer, Miss Aisha. Miss Aisha. Yeah, Aisha is two years younger than me, I think. Yep, yep. I think she's like two years younger than me. And um, Carlos Rogers. Yeah, Carlos Rogers was in our year. Yeah. It was a lot of people um, yeah. in our year. And, and you know, uh, we... Like, Yusef would have been there if he wouldn't have been zoning. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he right breezed the through there. That's what he told me. <laughs> we we know a lot of the same people. Yeah. And we're like, I'm a little older than Yusef. Mm -hmm. But he was telling me, like, we were naming, like, different people from the street. Yeah. And he was like, you know them? How you know them? How you know them? And I was like, I told you I'm from this hood, bro. I'm from this hood. Yeah, White's Records. Oh, my um, God. Miss White and White's Records. Can please rest in peace, Miss White. Me and my friend Hector that owned Steve's Soul Food. Mm -hmm. He. Oh, yeah. Another Northwestern guy. Yeah. That was my, my buddy. We lived around the corner from each other. And he lived next to Awesome Dre. Mm -hmm. And um, we and like we would be at White's Records like every Saturday right mm -hmm. and miss white was this elder it was a family-owned record shop and miss white was this elder who knew every single thing that there was to know about records and music mm -hmm. and we would hang out there and that was i used to go there and go digging and we'd be there for hours and hours and hours and we'd be playing music and listening to the music and then decide what we're going to buy and we'd spend all our money on music and i remember miss white would be like as soon as you get there she knew exactly what you wanted she'd be like I got that new LL Cool J. <laughs> you want that LL? And he's like, yes. Or, you know, whatever Can't was live out. with our more radio. Yeah. And we used to just, Houdini, like, we used to have all the records and just be there all the time. I miss White's records was an experience. It was like something that we did like every yeah. Saturday. Yeah. And we just hung out there. It was all these kids there mm -hmm. playing records, listening to music, hanging out. 
Yeah. And you know? uh, as people know, uh, a, a lot of strong record stores, uh, black owned record stores, uh, when that industry actually relied on record stores. But White's Records was one of those places that uh, you had to be. Like we think of White's and Chantonique's and uh, Records for You. Um, Man, my mind is is slipping, but yeah, those record stores used to be uh, definitely a place that uh, welcomed different people from the community, especially yeah. kids. And Whites was one of those staples for a long time. A long time, yeah. Yep, yep. It hurts, like, when the whole vinyl trend started coming back, mm-hmm. I always was like, man, I wish Whites was, like, still there, mm-hmm. uh, you know? So, so with this journey at Northwestern and being back in Detroit, did it feel, uh, did did, did it feel out of the ordinary? Because Kool Aid even uh would say, yeah, yeah, Piper was different. Like, did it feel out of the ordinary being from New York, uh, being at like what's labeled as a regular school? How did how did fitting into Northwestern feel? My first day, I got into a fight. Mm-hmm. I was late going to Northwestern. Meaning, when I first moved back to live with my mom. Like I said, she wanted me to go like to Cass or something. And my mom went to Eastern, mm-hmm. which is a really historic school. And Coleman Young went there. Like a lot of people went there. And, but Eastern, Eastern didn't exist. So well, Eastern, Eastern is King. sort of became Martin Luther King. It's people King now. Know, yeah. Uh, after uh, talking African-centered schools, after, at the time, teacher, uh, Mommy Monty Humphrey that started Aisha Shoelake led a lot of protesting with students where it was like, all right, we're walking out. Um, even like students with Cooley High and everything. But one of the concessions moving forward from a lot of the students' walkouts for wanting more African-centered teaching was based on naming that school Martin Luther King. That was like the name of saying like, all right, this is a concession we give y'all. Mm. And a little black history. Yeah, thank you for that. And when I first got here, everyone was like, oh, you know, put her in King. Because King also had one of those programs that I'm telling you about. Yep. It was like, you know, Save the Kids type program. I forgot the name of theirs. Mm -hmm. But um, so when I first got here, I was in that program at Mm. King. So I was going to King for a while, but... I had to take three buses yeah, that's to a, get there. That's a hop. You're, you're taking and my mom the, didn't, I was yeah. 14 at the time. Yeah. And my mom didn't want me getting up that early by myself to be out in the dark, to take the bus alone, mm-hmm. to go to school every morning. Um, three, but you know, cause I had to get up super early just to get to school. So she was like, you know, I want you to go closer. So we looked at the closer schools and I, she decided on Northwestern mm-hmm. and, um, I could walk to Northwestern. I could, you know, take the bus to Northwestern. You know, it was cool. So, um, any hootie rooty tootie, I, um, I started, I started, um, in the ninth grade in, uh, I don't know. I think it was maybe October. I'm thinking like, I think it was around maybe, maybe October. It was before the, and it was before the first, um, what would you call it? Report card. But it was definitely like school had been started and there people had their like relationships. And, you know, relations, friendships and relationships get going really quickly when you're young. But, um, yeah, I was new and I was kind of strange. I was different. I had this New York accent. I looked different. I dressed different. Um, yeah, I was just kind of different. And um, 
I, I remember I had to go to the restroom and I went to go to the restroom and I, it was such a big school to me. You know, high school was so big. I was like, and that was right lost. around the time that uh, I think Northwestern was still like going through, as they say, the new Northwestern. That was still like a pretty fresh, one of the newer schools. I think so. That was one of it the was newer a new schools. school. Uh, yeah, comparable to the other DPS schools at the time. Yeah, it was a newer building. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was huge. Like for yeah. me as a kid, I had you know coming from middle school and then this big high school so yeah. there were, it had multiple floors and you know they all looked kind of alike it was hard to tell so i remember i got lost because i had well i would go into the restroom and when i i remember i had to go on a different floor to go to the restroom because they only had like certain restrooms open yeah and um i had gotten lost and i was like trying to get back and i remember i was in the stairwell and this group of girls maybe five or six girls um, came up to me like you know and challenged me and were like oh you know you think you're better than everyone and um I had all I had been socialized in a certain way right like I told you I lived on the east side with my cousins and then also New York and uh definitely in New York schools for the gifted uh a lot of that pressure uh being a teenager, misunderstanding things, insecurities come out in, I guess, what definitely is labeled as bullying and uh, well, yeah. acts like that uh, just from misunderstandings. From it was mis well, it, yeah, and, and basically what it was, the one young lady had said that her brother mm -hmm. liked me and I yep. didn't give him any rhythm. And I was thinking like that guy in the lunchroom. No, never. Right. Yeah. And um, she got upset and then she pulled out like this knife and yeah. she told me she was going to cut my face. Yeah. And all I could think of was all the lessons that I've been taught is you strike first. <laughs> uh -huh. And so I just went hard in the paint and I just punched her right in her face and mm -hmm. I jumped on top of her and I just started going crazy on her. And the other girls were like shocked Right. Because I was like this really tiny Cute. girl. Yeah. And I, quote unquote, spoke properly. Like, I guess they didn't expect that. And yeah, I just wowed all the way out. Talk white. <laughs> yeah. I went, I wowed all the way out on some Clint Eastwood. Mm -hmm. And the security came. And then I could hear the other girls like scrambling. Yeah. Because the security came. And then that's when I went hard to run her. Yeah. And I went even crazier on her. And then when the security, took me to the office right and i was trying to explain what happened they were like oh you know you're fighting and i was like no i was trying to go to the bathroom and they tried to jump me and they didn't believe me because the security told them that i was going cuckoo and i said yeah because i have to let her know like you can't do yeah. this to me you know i can't just be like oh leave me alone I have to you know give the give you the full warning mm -hmm. and um Anyway, they put me in this program also called 12 Together. So while I was in the Smarty program, I also had to go once a week to these um, counseling sessions. Yeah, it was like the bre you was like in the breakfast club. I was in the breakfast club. I had to go to group counseling, uh -huh. weekly group counseling. It was called 12 Together. They sent you on a retreat. So you went away on this retreat. And then when you came back, you were in a group. And everyone in the group was like either in like 
um, juvenile detention center or, you know, all of us had like some sort of challenges or whatever. I never thought I really had challenges, although I probably did. But for me, I was just upset because yeah. I was just like, I was you defending like you myself. I was to be there. I got you. Yeah. And then I learned a lot of stuff because yeah. the kids that were in there, you know, it would raise your eyebrows like, whoa. So I learned a lot just from like listening, you know, to yeah. their stories, you know, it exposed me yeah. to a lot. But it also gave me like street cred in a way because <laughs> then everybody was like, oh, yeah, she can yeah. fight yeah. and this she and that. that program. Yeah. And so um, I never really had like mm. issues after that. Yeah. And I never presented myself as like a tough person. I always was, people knew me. I was a nerd. I was into my books. I was into studying and, yeah. you know, music and arts and dance and, you know, this kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and Northwestern's definitely, uh, like I say, it, it's, it, it has a tradition. Uh, that runs deep. I think that a lot of things changed at Northwestern High School, really, when we transitioned from the 70s to the 80s. But um, still a rich history, a lot of opportunity. I definitely think to be a student attending Northwestern, you need to have a certain uh, a certain focus about yourself to uh, make sure that you don't get led down a path that can, uh, you know, you know, derail you. Yeah. And I mean, I, I in the end, I feel good. I had a lot of support from teachers, counselors, um, you know, friends. Uh, my friend group was amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone in the class in 1990, we were all very close. Yeah. Um, we supported one another. We went to one another's things. We everybody was just like a family, you know. True. Um, yeah. And even to this day, I feel very close to, you know, everyone. Yeah, the Northwestern crew is uh, of that class. I think I would say 80, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92. It's, like it's kind of like a close-knit circle. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Like even when we do the Grand Cookout, definitely the, those classes from 68 and 69 and 70, 71, they're really close. And, and we're getting up there. I'm a 2001. So maybe, you know, maybe a couple of years we'll start, you know, getting more involved in everything. But uh, but that's cool. So from Northwestern, mm -hmm. uh, I know you end up at. Well, I went I'm to Howard. Speaking for, I'm speaking for you. you yeah. Share with the people. Yeah. From Northwestern, I went to Howard. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, Howard, you know, in DC, Howard University, shouts out HU, and um, that was a very I had I had had a multitude of experiences. And you were there Howard. on campus with a lot of, as we know, more nationally recognized celebrities of yeah. like, uh, uh, I think people. Well, Puff Daddy was there the year before I got there. Yep, yep. he has set the whole tone yeah. for that. And others, um, you know, Marlon. Uh, yeah, Marlon Wayans. He was in my class. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was uh, and, and just even that feel because this was like kind of like you all were the group of students kind of impacted looking at a different world, you know, like, yeah, I, in school days, like I want to go there. Like, that's that's basically what Hillman, happened. Does Hillman exist? Like, no. Yeah. So that, that's precisely <laughs> that's precisely what happened and also too i had a cousin my cousin vicky shout mm -hmm. out to cousin vicky she had gone to howard and and she was always like you're going to howard you know that you know you're going to howard right <laughs> and um yeah she she really encouraged me as well and i'm really glad i went i really ex uh appreciate going to howard because my goal was to go to harvard uh-huh and all, my counselors and everything were like 
you know, you got to go to HBCU, go to black school. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I, that I did that and had that experience. Now at, at Howard, uh, with, with so much of this African centered schooling and HBCU, um, when did you start noticing after graduating from Howard and just interacting with others that you had like a different perspective about black pride, uh, what blackness is? Oh, I, uh, I noticed that immediately at Howard. Okay. Uh, because what was interesting to me was um, I was in the minority at Howard. Like I was actually from the hood. I was on scholarship. Like a lot of the, uh, young people there I don't know how the culture is now but at that time um, a lot of the young people there their parents were paying for them to go yeah. like they weren't on scholarship um, yeah. a lot of them were the the, the, the the black kid whose parents were very successful and so a lot of their parents were very successful and so um, they were from very privileged um, lives and situations and so you know I was on scholarship I had to have a job um and, you know, I was on track scholarship and academic scholarships. And um, a lot of my, you know, the, the the young people I went to school with, they they didn't have to have a job. You know, they were able to goof off or do whatever they want to do, um, you know, with their free time because their parents were paying for everything. Well, I, you know, I, I also meant even after Howard, like mm. when did you start interacting with black folks? Because uh, blackness is different at a HBCU, but that center of a, of an African centered education, that grounding, what I found in mm-hmm. many of my uh, classmates, it's just a different confidence it's like, different. that comes from both, and then just yeah. understanding the spectrum of what blackness and the black experience is. Uh, how how do you think that has added to the way you see and, and interact in the world. Yeah, because like even at Howard, you know, peop- uh, like I said, a lot of people would talk to me to like, I want to say a lot, but there were many times where young people would talk to me trying to understand like how to be black because like, like I said, I was from the hood. So they were trying to be like the stereotypical vision of what, people say blackness is so they wanted to date the drug dealer or sell drugs or be and I thought like wow how strange is that because my whole narrative that I received was to come here to get out of that and do something different right Mm -hmm. and then uh so graduating so so you know when moving into the world in terms of uh in the professional world when I eventually moved to New York City and started doing photography and being in the industry and all this I think having an African-centered grounding at such a young age was really good for me because I never had, um, I want to say like a fear of white folks. I never had an inferiority complex. I never, like I always was taught by my, in my home, my mother, my family, I always was taught that black is beautiful. I always was taught that kinky hair is beautiful. I always was taught, um, you being your authentic self is is enough is perfect is beautiful um i always was taught about our uh, lineage and our heroes and people who came before us and our geniuses and our you know inventors and scientists and artists and thinkers and so i always kept that with me that you know 
I come from and we come from this lineage of greatness, this this lineage of people who are bold and 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 audacious and um courageous and strong and faithful and and um all these wonderful you know had integrity and mm-hmm. just all these great qualities and for me i think that having that as a a base and understanding that that's who you are and that's who you come from that always helped me with my work ethic that always helped me with my esteem that always helped me to push myself that always helped me to feel confident when I, when others would try to tear me down. Hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to come from, uh, you know, that experience because that those experiences, um, laid the foundation for me to, um, really, be able to um, have success in an industry that was very challenging, you know, and it was challenging for many reasons, but don't get me wrong. Like my experiences at Howard were varied as well. And I had a lot of traumatic experiences at Howard. I experienced a lot of bullying at Howard. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of, what would you call that? Like uh, shunning, you know, because I wasn't able to go, you know, I didn't, my parents didn't have a summer home, right? I, I wasn't able to, you know, drop money like that on like all this designer stuff. So <clears throat> I was, I was like a, a loner, yeah. but, um, and I was always kind of like strange, mm. you know, I've always been like a strange bird and, um, you know, at Howard, I was trying different, you know, things I was doing like goth with like black lipstick and the black eyeliner all out to here and, um, the Doc Martens with the black, you know, flight jacket. Now the kids do that now, but this was like unseen and unheard of for black kids, you know, yeah. in the early nineties. You were and, like, uh, you were like Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But I was also a huge hip hop head Yeah, and I was a dancer. I danced in the circles and I was doing hip hop and house dancing. And that was, you know, what I was doing. And, um, you know, taking pictures and, you know, just and just being a creative and just and being I think, creative uh, at that time. Just all of the being inclusive and those insecurities, you know, things are heavy at that age for many of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So this is where that creativity starts going and you get into uh, and I've been labeled this before because people are like you don't like shoes and stuff like that. You get your bohemian. Yeah. Creative flower power you daylight yeah solely. yeah 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 pretty much and and this leads you down after graduating from howard what's uh what's uh, in your path well i <laughs> it's funny i came back home and i thought okay i'm done i'm gonna just live with my mom mm-hmm. and so i came home and um i was with my mom for a little bit maybe a month or so and then my mom's like well what are you gonna do and i was like what do you mean <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's like what are you gonna do and i'm like I'm done, you know, like I'm going to live with you. Uh, and she was like, no, you're not. Hilarious. And I was like, huh? I was like, I'm finished. Like, I'm going to live with you and we're uh, going to like be together. And my mom was like, no, you can't live here. You've got to go get your own place, go out on your own, mm-hmm. do your own thing. And I was like, why? And she yeah. was like, Piper, I would not be doing you justice if I let you just like stay here and take care of you. Interesting. Um, In, in that same zone. Mm-hmm. That same creativity. What's going on in your mom's life at the time around then? Because your mom, in her own right, was 
very active uh, as a businesswoman. Uh, it connected to multiple things of entertainment, uh, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. uh, different consultancies, attorneys, like. What was going on with your mom at that point in time when she's like, all right, it's time for you to, you know, it's time for well, the birds mom, to leave the nest. Well, she was actually doing advertising for, with Gannett. She was doing advertising sales with Gannett. Gannett, what's Gannett? Gannett is um in advertising and uh, marketing and media space. Um, They do a lot of, they have newspapers and different media outlets and they also do the outdoor signage so a lot of the billboards and things that you would see okay and um yeah she was doing mark she was doing sales for them and um she was doing pretty well and it's interesting because i was just thinking and and she also had her other endeavors she had a travel agency and um my mom was just like you know you i can't let you just like be you know, just, just like be here and do nothing. You know, she was like, it's cool for a little while. I know you've been stressed out and you work really hard. She's like, but now you got to like, you know, leave the nest and you're going to have to figure out how to be an adult and you have to do that on your own. And it's so funny because I, I really didn't want to go. And I, I actually found an apartment in the building, like down the street. <laughs> and I was like, I moved into the apartment and then I was over my mom's house like every single day. And my mom would be like, Go home, Piper, go home to your apartment. Um I moved in with my my then at the time, my friend, uh, my close friend Nina. Shouts out to Nina Sewell, and we were roommates. And um and then I got a, a um a call um to for for a potential gig <clears throat> to move to new york city hmm. and what was this gig um it was to go on tour with snoop dogg oh man and i was supposed something. to meet them i was supposed to meet them it was from a um a friend of mine who was uh, in the security team of the zulu nation ain't that something but and he was like oh i want you to uh, you know, get this gig because I know you can go on tour and do this gig. And the crazy thing is I had a childhood friend that was went to Nataki, uh-huh. a little bit older than me. She lived in New York at the time. So I had gone down to New York like about two months or so before. And she was like, when I went down there to visit, she was like, well, when you move to New York, you could just live with me. Wow. Now, let me ask you this mm-hmm. because you, you, you lived in New York, but child teenage is different than being an adult oh but yeah mi- many times as we know i mean you know sit at any subway station after the subway stops running and you'll see many people go to new york but making it in new york is tough um yeah. was it did it seem overwhelming to say to yourself like i could consider moving to new york or was it no like for me my mother thank you mommy always taught me that nothing's overwhelming mm-hmm um, so I never see things as overwhelming. Okay. I always, I never even honestly see things as challenging. Hmm. She always told me you can do anything. You could be anything, anything you want to do. Just put your mind to it. Just do it. And mm-hmm. I believe that. Like I sucked that up like, okay. okay. And so I never had this like fear. I never had any of that. I always would just do boom. It would work or it doesn't work. Yeah. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, whatever. But I never had it like anxiety or fear about it excitement but i never would have like Mm -hmm. apprehension 
But um, it's interesting because I had, uh, like I said, I had set this whole thing up. Then I saved all my money. And then I went, you know, when I, my, my friend, she's like, you could stay with me. I was like, cool. So then the couple months pass and then it's time to go down there and take the job. And then the day that I get there, I show up with all my stuff to her apartment. She's like, mm. eh, I changed my mind. Mm. I don't want you to um, live with me. Mm. And I was like, I thought she was joking. Yeah. Because I had just got off the plane and I had all my stuff. And I was like, what are you talking about? I've moved this here. Is, uh, this is pre-cell phone era too. So it's yeah, not like there's no cell phone. text message and I'm no. down the street or no. whatever, you know. Yeah, pre-cell phone. And so she's like, uh, well, at least pre-cell phone for me. And um oh yeah yeah I guess Zach yeah. Morris yeah mm-hmm. good point. so she's like uh, he says Zach Morris so she's like oh I changed my mind um I think that you should suffer and have the experience of suffering because when I came I suffered it made me a better person and I think it'll make you a better person to suffer and I was like well I understand about suffering but you do understand I just got off the plane and I don't have anywhere to go and I have like all my bags. And she was like, yeah, you'll figure it out. And so I was on the phone. Like, well, at that time, like you said, there's no cell phone. And she wouldn't let me in her house to use her phone. Mm. So I had to get all these coins and go use a pay phone. Mm. So I'm like on the pay phone. I'm calling like all these people. And um, my, my friend that went to Howard, he let he talked to his mom and um, and she lived in New Rochelle and she let me live with her. Okay. And so I lived like, I think in his sister's bedroom, his sister was grown and gone and I lived in his sister's bedroom in his mom's house Wow. in the projects in New Rochelle. So I stayed mm. with her for a while. And then, um, I was also kind of staying with another friend in, uh, Harlem, uh, my friend Yeoman and Yeoman was a writer he was an R&B writer and writer. <clears throat> he wrote mm-hmm. songs, songs, a lot of... Any uh, songs we know? Uh, yeah, a lot of Mary J. Bl- like he, a lot of lot of songs. Okay. A lot of people. Okay. And R&B. He was one of those like writers that's like, um, like an industry writer mm-hmm. that he just like writes like so many songs and he gives them a thing like to the label and yeah. then they kind of... Use like shop and, them yeah. or yeah so he's that's what he was doing mm-hmm. and um i remember he was like oh you're from detroit you're from detroit like i know you could sing <laughs> and um in my mind i'm thinking like yeah i could hold a tune you know i was uh, raised in church but in my mind i'm thinking aretha franklin most yeah. time so i'm telling him like nah bro i'm not a singer he's like well you're he's like you could sing better than a lot of these girls hilarious i said well i probably could you know hilarious and so he let me um, like what, what he would do is he would write these songs and I would help him figure out like melodies and things like that. And in Harlem at the time, there were so many nightclubs like for open mics and we would go to the open mics and I would practice with him. I would sing with him the songs. Mm -hmm. And so So he would do, so people know usually like songwriters and producers have what they call like, uh, I guess we say for lack of a better term, they call them like ghost tracks, meaning Mm -hmm. that, uh, so your favorite hit song 
is sung by the writer and the producer beforehand, yeah. and mm-hmm. then it ends up to Tony Braxton. Yeah. So it's a lot of these ghost tracks that you'd be surprised the talent of some of these singers yeah. and uh, that that will do these songs. And yeah. And that's pretty much what we did. Yeah. And so we'd be at his apartment, like doing all this music, and then um, we would we would sing, you know, I'd sing all these songs for him, and then we would go to the clubs, and he would pay me like two fifty a night to sing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, with him either background or whatever and help him and I do you know yeah. all the ad libs and everything and, and we'd be doing all the clubs and um, it was funny because people always thought I wanted to be a vocalist and I was like yeah. no I'm a photographer I'm just doing this because I need money, need money. To, 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 to you know do this <laughs> photography thing and they were trying to push me to sing and I was just like man I'm trying to and, and so at this time it's like Piper would have been in groove theory well, yeah. So at this time, there's not really black. There's no black women, you know, like doing photography. So people are looking at me and, you know, they're like, well, you dance, you sing. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not what I do. I do photography. And people never took me seriously. Right. Because I, I didn't look like I could do these pictures. Yeah. And I remember one day I was in the elevator at the um, building in the projects in New Rochelle. And so Dot X came in and. I said hi to him, and he remembered me from Howard. And Sadat X, as we know from Brand Nubian, mm-hmm. and Brand Nubian, Sadat X and Lord Jamar, they're from New Rochelle. They're from New Rochelle. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I remember you. You know, he remembered my face from Howard mm-hmm. because remember when we did the Can't Stop, Won't Stop, yeah. uh, my friend April Silver, shouts out, she was with um, the incredible organization that, put together the hip hop summit mm-hmm. and the, and that was the hip hop summit. Like that's where it was created yeah. like at Howard. And so I got my training as a, you know, freshman and a sophomore and all that under her um, learning how to uh, organize, organize these events event and so forth and so on. Yeah. yeah. And they created these events. And, and this and, was like yeah. the foundation of what hip hop events yeah like Jack the Ripper and yeah. things like that. Like it all comes from the ideas of like college students and yeah. love. And that was what was so beautiful. I think yeah. of being, and I'm younger than you of witnessing, like, like witnessing hip hop grow up, like through our lifetime. It was like, why don't we have a hip hop this? Like, it, and it was like, because nobody's doing it. And it's like, all right, why don't we do it? Like pretty much almost everything came together. Like I remember some of those original source magazines back to like when they used to even show the original newsletter source magazine, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, so this yeah. is, it's all interesting. Like just knowing that hip hop is something like you can touch the origination of it. Yeah. And now it's the most massive pop culture across the world. Yeah. And it was interesting. He remembered me, right, mm-hmm. from those days, yeah. my face. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, right? Cause yeah, but still. At this know, point, I'm in the elevator. It's like 94. Yeah. And, and, and at that time, I think I met him. It was like 90, 91, 92. Yeah. You know. So he was like, oh, yeah, I remember your face and everything. And he was like, you're from this this building? You live in my building? And I was like, no, I'm just living here now. This and that. He's like, well, what are you doing? And I said, I'm still doing my photography, but I'm trying to get, you know, into the industry and do this and that he was like well why don't you come to my video shoot and shoot the behind the scenes from my video i'll talk to the director so i said cool so i went and i'm trying to remember the name of the song i do remember it was like the cowboy video it was like laura finesse i'm trying to like i see like i'm at the video but i just can't remember the song okay because you know like when you shoot a video it's not like the music no because people it's usually like 
for anybody that's been to a music video shoot, it's not what you think. Yeah. Even the music videos you think that are music video, like you think it's like, oh man, it's gonna be like a jacuzzi and champagne and like maybe card. Like the way the shots are put together, it's first off, it may be completely out of order. It, yeah. it may be organized differently. The music may not even play. The yeah. rapper may not yeah. even rap along with it, or they're just saying, "Hey, rap the lyrics without mm-hmm. any music playing." Like, yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah, and I just remember it was like dark, and it mm. was. It was like a warehouse or something. I, I, I just remember that part. And then, you know, I was taking all the pictures and everything. And then they end up liking that. And then they introduced me to Miss Jones. Mm-hmm. And she had a record at the time. And then the singer she on ne- AZ's uh, Sugar uh, or Sugar Hill. And so she she needed photos. So I went and I did her photos. And then that's how I started meeting more people. Yeah. Plus my Howard connections and, you know, like that. And then, um, and then, well, I just ended up being able getting to. Getting some opportunities. Getting some opportunities. Um, and eventually I um, went into the, I, I decided I wanted to take a couple classes. Yeah. So I started going to like um, the School of Visual Arts. And I started going, taking some classes at FIT. I was trying to upgrade my skills and everything. Yeah. And I put an ad in. Um. No, I, 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 I saw. Where was it? It was like a. Um. It was like one of those like, uh, you know, when you when you go in the school like bulletin boards. Yeah. And it was like they needed assistance, and so yeah. I started doing photography assisting. So I started to learn in the studio. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And then I decided that um, I really wanted to pursue fashion. And so yeah, at fashion, this time, yeah. And so this time we, uh, at, at this time, there's something called a phone book. It was Hilarious. a Yellow Pages. Hilarious. And I went to that and I looked up. So I looked for the name of the photographers whose work I really, really liked. And I called him. His name was Stephen Klein. And I called his, his studio and I guess they didn't, it, at, in hindsight, when I learned from them later, they really um, didn't know when I called on the phone that I was like a black chick. They right? did not know you were black. I mean, the name yeah. Piper Carter. They didn't know. Um, they yeah. didn't know what I was. And so they were like, come in. And so when I went in, they looked like they saw a ghost. You know, yeah. Casper, you ever watch the Casper cartoon when they see him? Mm-hmm. That's the reaction they gave me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. But I just ignored that. And um, initially, um, I learned later that they brought me on as a joke because mm-hmm. they figured like they would shock him like it'd be funny. Yeah. But but I didn't know this till later. Yeah. And so um, when I went in, I was an intern. So I did everything like pick up the dog poop sweep the floor nothing photography related at all um i did all that but i did it like with enthusiasm and like i was excited to go there you know every single day i had a positive attitude and the studio manager after about like maybe two months or so two or three months was like because there were other interns was like look steven now mind you i haven't met him i've never met him i've never seen him I've just been in the studio doing stuff. So I don't even know what he looks like. Yeah. 
So she, the studio manager says, hey, Steven has seen you and he loves your work ethic and he thinks you're incredible and he wants to pay you out of his pocket. Don't tell the other interns that you're getting paid. Yeah. But he wants to pay you because he sees you work really hard. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, I didn't even know he saw me, you yeah. know. And so um, he starts paying me. And then she. Um, but wait, this is mm-hmm. also let's stop here and let's put a a. a Let's put a um, what is that? Let's a put pin. A, let's put a pin in this because, yeah. like, this is a classic example, especially being black in America. You know, our opportunities as far as like what's fair and what's equal through the white supremacy that's so pervasive in all forms of any form of institution and opportunity, we have to sometimes just see past it and supersede it. As far as I'm concerned, like we have to like glide through it like it's the Matrix mm-hmm. and take that opportunity. I mean, if 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 we sulk and sit in the uh in the um in the passive aggressive nature mm. of those attacks we damn there would not be anywhere now when it becomes aggressive aggressive when it becomes direct you you can you can address it in whatever your own way in my opinion but also just the way you move forward and through that yeah shit it may have been a joke to them but you made an opportunity of that I didn't even know it was a joke till yeah, like but later. It, and, and when yeah. you find out, who cares? Because you yeah. got your opportunity and it's about getting these resources and getting yeah. it back to our people yeah. and getting it back to our families and yeah. empowering it because this whole institution itself yeah. definitely got us looking like a goddamn joke. Yeah. Period. And, you know, I mean, a couple of months go by and then she says, look, um, he wants to actually hire you. Yeah. Right. Um, he loves the way you work and everything. And I was like walking the dog, picking up the dog poop, making coffee, sweeping the floor. I had not touched a photography, nothing. But you were you were taking everything serious on some Mr. Miyagi shit. And yeah. You, and probably everybody else was in there entitled and not working as hard. But yeah, he, pretty much. But so much of any opportunity. Uh, and, and this comes down to even when people work with me or you, like when a person shows a level of initiative uh effort and enthusiasm and is pleasant to be around that you're going to want that energy around and you're going to get opportunity it sounds very cliche but shit yeah and what 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 was interesting was after so initially i got hired and in as what's called a fifth assistant you have like first second third like that so i was a fifth assistant which basically meant I was doing the same exact job, (laughs) except I was being paid paid properly. And well, because she, because she said, because I was waiting tables at the time and bartending and everything. And she was like, "Um, he really wants to keep you, but um, you can't work another job. I was like, are you crazy? This is New York City. My rent's like $2,000 a month. I can't come here for free and like, and not make money. I have to make money. So she was like, well, how much money do you need to live off of? I was like, well, here's my expenses. So she was like, well, we'll give you this plus that. And I said, cool. So she, they paid me, you know, pretty well. And then uh, eventually I moved up and I became like a fourth and a third and a second. And what's interesting is um, I eventually became very like trusted, like very, he trusted me you became an asset. completely. You became an asset because yeah. you worked, you, uh, as the kids say, you got it out the mud. I got it out the mud and I was traveling the world with him. Uh, we would be on the bus on tour, you know, 
Um, we went and, everywhere. And the fashion shoots. I mean, you were mm-hmm. shooting. Uh, what were you shooting? What oh, we were shooting what everything. You- we were shooting Vogue, L, Harper's Bazaar, Gucci campaigns, Fendi, Trussardi, Valentino. We were shooting Vanity Fair. We were shooting um, Naomi Campbell, Brad Pitt. Mm. Um, you know, uh, all, all the top models. The, uh, um, Kate Moss. What's you know? the culture? of like one of those shoots is it one of those things like they say like some sets some movies like you can't talk to the actors of like, course not what's the you cannot what's talk to anybody um well his set well everybody's different every mm-hmm. but his culture you can't look him in the eye mm. you can't talk to him he doesn't want people to talk to him unless he trusts you mm-hmm. then he trusts you then it's cool but it throws his energy off or whatever mm-hmm. um and you know you definitely don't talk to the talent you don't talk to anybody if you talk to anyone it's not during the time you're working not during the time you're shooting it's definitely like if he's not on set and if talent is not on set you can only really talk like when it's downtime how long, when no one's around how long is the average like magazine cover shoot like if it um, starts like it depends it could be like 16 20 hours wow just for one picture sometimes hmm. Or it could be a whole shoot. I mean, or sometimes a shoot could be a week. Okay. And this is like kind of the introduction of some of the software and stuff, but definitely pre-Photoshop days. Oh, like, yeah. We're, we're shooting film. So, so well, with well, that, well, there is Photoshop, but it's not as yes, yes. important. Yeah. At this time, it's still hand retouching. Yeah. People it's are not still like doing hand retouching. Like, yeah. I just get that in the retouch. Yeah. yeah. People are still doing retouching by hand mm. at this time. So we're shooting film negatives. This is in these days. Mm. And yeah, I mean, we're shooting, um, you know, I mean, and, and, and after a while, you know, I became one of the like most coveted assistants because I was a master of lighting. I became a master of light. Mm. Um, then I started working with David Seidner, rest in peace. And I d- did the lighting for um, some of his uh, masterpieces, such as the Leontine Price um images and wow. the naomi campbell images and um mm. you know with with Stephen klein i worked on a lot of his iconic images for a lot of campaigns and and, and uh, different photo shoots that he did um and i worked with a lot of the greats i worked with a lot of like really top you know photographers in the industry and and my forte was lighting you know, huh. lighting design. So does it bother you like uh like when your cousin snaps a picture <laughs> and it's like for like do do bad pictures still bother you? Not anymore. Okay. okay. Back in the day, like it drove me nuts because I was such an artiste. Uh-huh. But now um that I do all this social justice, gr- I have so much Kodak tolerance. Is, <laughs> grandma Kodak is cool. Well, also too, you know, when you think of graphic design, you can make bad pictures interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always recrop or now you have all these filters you could do all this creativity with photos so yeah bad picture can be you know art you know Mm -hmm. okay and uh so so this photography Mm -hmm. uh and the success there in new york uh on top of the fashion game um everything you're thinking top models and then what brings you back and that's what kind of goes full circle is it's your mom yeah your mom is the call to bring you back to the city of detroit when you've now traveled the world uh, yeah as a fashion photographer uh as as a person that you know also saw like and was connected to hip-hop too Uh, yeah what what was it like coming back to detroit it was culture shock because it was a di- in in 2008 
it was not the Detroit that I left mm. um, in like 94. Mm. It was, uh, as George Clinton would say, uh, devoid of funk. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I was hurt huh. when I came back because the gentrification had begun mm -hmm. and people loved it. People were soaking it up and they were feeling it. And that energy, that strength, that power of a, the, the black Detroiter that I knew, I wasn't seeing that in this younger, like newer culture and generation. Yeah. And I was seeing this compliance with things and it drove me insane. Yeah. And, um, you know, my mother's Detroit, which was the black bottom and the, you know, the black power and the black people, you know, owning and controlling everything politically and, you know, economically. And then just seeing the decline of everything, like it just, it tore my soul. It just hurt to the core. And it inspired me that I, I wanted to do something about it. And And, and before this, definitely being keen in all of this what was your what was your connection to social justice and activism and organizing so i actually grew up in all of it my uncle um shouts out to um aaron ibn pori pitts is my uncle the the great artist yeah great artist, amazing artist mm -hmm. and activist yeah and he's one of the people who ushered in uh juneteenth He's one of the people who ushered in Kwanzaa and all these other, you know, he got me in the African-centered school. He's, um, you know, a part of the poetry scene and the black art scene and the yeah. black, you know, um, co-op movement and mm -hmm. all of the, all of fill in the blank, all your black yeah. movements. He's yeah. a uh, founding uh, member of um, the League of Revolutionary Black Workers and um, just, you know, all, all of the, all the things. And so um, growing up, you know. That was uh, something that you saw. But it was, a, yeah, we just lived it, what, you know. Well, I mean, specifically from New York. Well, in New York, I was participating. And then you come back here. Well, well I will say this in New okay. York, I was participating in the movement, but I wasn't As consciously, active. I was active, but mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't conscious that I was an activist, if that makes sense. Okay. And, and it was different because I was more involved in the AIDS movement. Mm hmm. Um, because um, at that time, AIDS was like, you know, um, a, a huge uh, cause that, you know, we worked mm -hmm. for. And by me being in the arts and in fashion, mm -hmm. I had a lot of people that I loved and, and, and friends and family who had passed away from AIDS. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really heavily involved in, in, in the AIDS movement. Um, I had a lot of friends, like I said, who were either suffering or had passed away. And so um, one of the photographers I worked for, David Seidner, um, I was with him in his last days. And, you know, AIDS at that time, people were very ignorant. And so a lot of people did not want to work for him because he had AIDS mm -hmm. and he had full blown AIDS and people were afraid of like catching AIDS. But mm -hmm. I had done a lot of education and I learned that, that, that the ways in which you can and cannot, you yeah. know, quote unquote, uh, transfer you yeah. know uh, AIDS and so um, I worked for him and he was really grateful and he was like I have friends that I've loved you know most of my adult life that won't come around me 
because they're afraid and yeah. he's like you don't even know me and you're here yeah. with me and you hold me down like this and i i did i held him down all the way through to um his dying day and i guess that's just um that was just kind of like my calling in a sense you know like okay. uh Cause to I, to support to support him in that type of way so that was one thing cuz i mean i i find it like uh i find it like we connected early on upon your coming just in passing through like nadir and yeah. nadir was like you got to got to go over to this place to 5e and it seems like you hit the ground running yeah. with a formal organization just from hearing your story that you weren't doing that type of like outreach of building like women in hip hop and bringing no, culture. No, I wasn't doing and, that. And like, that's where I'm saying like, it seems like you hit the ground running oh, from one world to yeah. a whole different yeah. world. Yeah. That's yeah. what I meant. More that's about. true. Well, we'll say this though. Mm -hmm. In New York, I was, um, I did create this event and it was called My Favorite People. Mm -hmm. And I photographed and videoed some of um, music artists that I really, really loved. Okay. Um, a black punk, a black all-woman punk band. Okay. And this um, Korean hip-hop artist from Queens. Okay. And um, I held it at a Namdi Gallery in New York City. The, the Namdi Gallery that's in New York City. Yeah. And I connected with um, a brother named Wesley and we did this whole technology experience. It was an exhibit and we, um, this is pre Twitter, pre, um, location, uh, you know, served pre GPS and location services. Um, and it's, uh, it basically what we did was we Bluetoothed videos to people's phones okay inside of the gallery and then um there was a, a platform that a friend of mine created and where it was like a switcher platform and then we would um switch from different video cameras like all over the place and then we would do projections like all around the room and then we had a live performance so when you would come in you could see these different creative videos and stuff that that i shot and then they'd go to your phone and then you could see images projected around. And then when you went up to the um, stage, you could see the artist performing. Wow. That's cool. right. So it was pretty cool. And yeah. um, everyone came like to this exhibit. And I, before One that, year. this had to be like 2007. Okay. So this is like right before you, right before come. I came. So it was like kind of some experience in this. And, and I had another event before that, okay, which was um, uh, it was like this house party that we threw, okay, and it was like myself and another and a video artist and my other friend that's a photographer. My friend Ogechi does video, and my friend um Paul is a, a photographer. And um, no, actually, it wasn't Paul. It was my friend Donald that was doing um this blackface um images, and Ogechi did these really interesting images of black bodies. And, and with light and color and um and then i did like my images and my my cousin's friend my cousin mark that passed away his friend owned different buildings and it was one of the buildings he owned and it was empty at the time and he was trying to get people to like he wanted to show the building and so we did like what we called like a rent party so we charged like five bucks we made a big yeah. pot of gumbo okay. and then my cousin dj'd and they all dj'd we called it like a back to detroit party 
Okay. And then they they were both DJing like so all this, this was Detroit, in Detroit music, not in. It New was York. in New York. Oh, this was in New York. Yeah, we called it the Back to Detroit party, but and a then Detroit party in New York. Yeah, that was the theme. Okay. That was the theme. And you walk through all the different rooms, and and oh, yet she had her video like projected, you know, on the wall. So it was like projection. You walk through, and then I had my photographs. He had his, and then everyone was getting some gumbo and probably like a glass of wine and they paid like five bucks to get in and it was all the who's who was there from the industry because i knew Knew like all these people and everyone was like "Woo!" so it was amazing so with this amazing experience with this creativity though Mm -hmm. it knows sound more like creative because you've immersed yourself today in so much of the social justice environmental justice these are things that you may have uh you may have followed and been been involved with but now you've immersed yourself as like a panelist a leader an organizer a a person that like piper carter is a brand even when we were talking about your podcast you're like what are we gonna call it i'm like (laughs) we're gonna call it the piper carter podcast right because it's no better name because you are brand you're you anchor so much and this is something that now in this in this conversation is taking me aback and and you're my homie like we haven't ever had this conversation like wow it's like you almost spark and get going with this from 5e gallery mm-hmm. on where you are taking these lessons you learn at witnessing ibn uh your mother uh what you saw from uh mama and namdi uh and so many others and like kind of your own creative gumbo of all of this mama yeah, and Gia. pretty much mm-hmm. and and, and 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 spark this into such a successful uh uh institution of creativity social justice and and also family because a lot of the catalyst of coming back was was caretaking for your mother and yeah. that relationship yeah yeah and while doing yeah. it your mother also encouraged the more and more and more and more of that creativity and that social justice too well because that's who she was you know and mm-hmm. my mother would always be like do this do that and you know um encourage everything you know right along with me you know uh all the ideas you know were discussed with her and with her blessing and with her encouragement and with her advice and support so yeah and and yeah when i when i came back i just wanted to see the improvement i mean i i knew the brilliance and the greatness that i left and just to come back and to see what it is what had happened it just mm. i was like this we can't accept this so <laughs> so did you see yourself being in all these positions organizing and connecting no. to all these organizations because no not at all i look at the piper schedule sometimes well i guess i look at my schedule sometimes and think all right how the hell i do all this i didn't i mean mo- mostly all of that was out of survival Mm-hmm. you know it's all out of survival and necessity it's like oh this doesn't exist i oh, gotta create it <laughs> you know like women in hip-hop you need yeah. the non uh you needed a, a night within hip-hop where women could feel safe yeah in, in, in a safe space where they're not gonna be you know it's not like gonna be like no groping <laughs> yeah not you no know? groping no no weird drunk advances uh yeah well-lit parking and yeah. you know hip-hop where they're not gonna be you know be called bitches and hoes for like for hours yeah exactly hours on end yeah i mean and that's that's the space i wanted to be in because i love hip-hop i just didn't want to 
you know, be assaulted, you know, uh, mm-hmm. listening to it. And so, yeah, it, it didn't exist. So it was like, yeah, I got to create it. So we just created it. To, to a point where that became like a nationally known hip hop night. But across yeah. across Detroit, it was like all the, all the, you know, all the guy MCs was like, yo, yeah. I need, I need to, uh, I need to get in this. You know, yeah. I need men MCs was like, yo, can I get down with this? Yeah. Cause it was the best hip hop night. Yeah, yeah. It was just so much love. You know? And mm-hmm. you shared the stage with some men. Like, I, I, did I ever perform? I'm sure. Did yeah, I you came. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, I was one of the few that, that was allowed there, the non-misogyny night. Well, no, I mean, it was a lot of guys all yeah. the time, actually. It's just that yeah. no misogyny. But yeah. I think also, too, you know, all the things that I do are... Inclusive. just out of they're inclusive and they're out of necessity it's like oh this doesn't exist i want it to exist um <laughs> i'm not what am i going to do just like complain um and then you know just be you know upset that it doesn't exist no just like the block club you know um we own our house and you know i'm upset that people keep dumping at the lot on the corner so organize a community cleanup uh there's no you know, grocery store that's close to me and I need to eat fresh because I'm, you know, I'm vegan. So I need to eat fresh food. So started growing my food. I've been wanting to grow my food, you know, for the longest time. And, you know, during the pandemic, it was like, okay, I'm be at the crib. So I definitely have time. But the Piper Carter way is the that way extra on top because you then start intersecting with so many different people because Mm -hmm. we're drawn to you and your talent your energy your spirit um who are some of these people that you ended up meeting when you came back because you have such a wealth and depth of uh well i reconnected with people like i definitely reconnected with my uh my my family and peers that Um, were in the arts and culture world from before I left. So Lisa McCall, who um, was Aretha Franklin's choreographer yeah. for, I don't know, 30 years or so. We grew up together mm-hmm. in uh, Detroit Festi- Festival of the Arts. We danced together, um, studied under Clifford Fears together. And, um, you know, she was in ALE and Dunham and all of that. So connected with her, um, we had always been in touch because she had lived in new york too but she came back here because she had her son Mm -hmm. and she wanted to have a more you know family support for Mm him um but she stayed and she continues to you know just yeah lisa's very talented be all over the world doing everything all the time but you've met so many i mean even younger people like you know like the youngest Women MCs. Um, yeah, I mean, know, I'm, I'm just saying yeah. your network grew. Like Lisa's one name, but like Nina, Stephanie. Um, yeah, just so many people. Um, I mean, Nina Payne. You know, yeah, that's what. Um, yeah, Nina Payne. Nina Stephanie, Payne. Like you know, when um, I met Nina, it was because she was managing a group, and her group was performing at the space, uh-huh. and. Um, from there we stayed in touch and I would see her from time to time. And then we both started working at, um, Shane Park. And then we, we, our bond grew as we were working at, um, in production at, um, Shane Park and, um, Mama and Gia, Mama and Gia, you know, Shahida Mausi, um, Sundiata Mausi, 
Um, man, there's just so I many mean, people here in Detroit that. Yeah, mahogany. I yeah, mahogany Piper, Jones, mahogany. Invincible. Yeah. Um, um, let's. See. I mean, DJ Dez. Yeah, Dez, Bryce, Bryce, uh, DJ Los, yeah. Cindy. You know, Cindy Anderson. Well, Cleo, um, mm-hmm. Halima Cassell is another Nataki person. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just there are know, and so many people. Stopping the list short Onita. because the 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 list could go like yeah. we probably could spend two hours just naming the names just know? naming the name my cousin robbie <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah. you know um uh, just so many people yeah so like all of this soup um super mc yeah so like these people you know now are in this world of piper but also the environmental justice world like yeah. Eniac and uh a lot of the people from that world are like yeah piper piper y- you know it's uh yeah shout out baba daryl mm-hmm. baba daryl yeah you know uh really supportive um i mean you know uh Oluwabi, you know uh i think i mean with um the evolution like for for me myself i just see myself as always evolving mm-hmm. as we're revolving yeah. right i'm i always look at myself as like evolving and um you know, honoring the past, but like not being stuck yeah, and being able and flexible to be able to let go and let go meaning, um, of things that are painful, but also, um, you know, being forced to have a certain level of detachment to for survival, you know what I mean? So being able to, um, to be like, okay, well I was doing, fashion photography and i had this whole career but they don't have that here in detroit yeah so i i want to be here with my mom i'm not gonna leave Uh, you know i need to survive so um this is what they have in detroit they have performing arts and they but they don't have performing arts in the way that 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 i want to do from new york yeah so it you know um have opportunity to do it in this way so i'm gonna use my creativity and do it in this way and i still maintain my relationships and so people still call me and hire me and contract me to do things nationally and internationally. So I try to, you know, stay rooted, you know, in that way. And then, like you said, bring resources back to my community. Like now I'm concentrating on my block club. I'm concentrating where I live, just like you, you're concentrating where you live, you're building, you know, where you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that this whole pandemic has allowed me to be able to build, you know, precisely where i am and maybe others too and so i've just been um looking at how to take my creativity a lot more closer to where i live and still stay connected you know to to folks and bring those resources back in but not in a way that's insular like you know i got worried about me yeah but like i'm connected to you we're connected to kim shirobi you know we're connected to yusuf and you know and and and, and audra and quasi and all these people that are doing all these amazing things and you know freedom freedom and just everyone is doing all this great stuff Mm -hmm. and um how do we be like a node a big family yeah of like just some cool stuff like a family like a network family yeah, you know and, yeah. and and how do we continue to support one another because you have ways in which you're brilliant and talented and have resources Thank and you. things that are very different may some of them are similar mm-hmm. but they're different in 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 many of others of us mm-hmm. and you know vice versa and so i think i really enjoy 
you know, this evolution of all of us getting a chance to um, support one another. Like you're doing the festival, Mm -hmm. you know, and the festival is really um, a vision that that shows that. Right. It shows the the brilliance and the strength and the vastness of our community. Mm -hmm. And it shows it in a way that highlights everyone and also draws people back to this place so that this place is, you know, um, constantly being a resource and also being resourced. I I, I love the way you just put that. Um, And this was such a a beautiful discussion. Um, The the last thing I definitely want you to share uh, at this time uh, as we look at and reflect with your mom's passing, uh, definitely prayers up. Uh, You've taken some time away from your recording, which we're going to give like a more formal announcement on that too. But uh, I'm glad that you shared this space with Detroit is different because this is something else you've added and expanded internationally. Like most things that Piper touches, like people are drawn to it. Um, I'm glad you've been here. One of the anchors Uh, It's been really cool seeing people connect because like now, you know, like I always said, it's like, I don't want people to see Detroit is different as Kari. Uh, I wanted to see it as all these different looks, you know, and you're one of the looks where people will say, yeah, the Piper Carter podcast. And I I just sometimes smile and say, like, you know, that's happening kind of connected to me. But okay, cool. You know know what I'm saying? Like, well, no, we always say we're part of Detroit is different. I know. Yeah, I know. But it's just always unique, you know, sometimes in passing. So it's been a a joy. Uh, What do you see coming for the future of the podcast? And even that connecting you to Brittany has been a beautiful relationship. Shout out to Brittany, March. It's Food Detroit, mm-hmm. Deja Gray, and yeah. Jira Reed, yeah. my co-producers and co-hosts on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I definitely want to upgrade the show. When I say upgrade, I mean in content. Yeah. Um, go a bit deeper with our research. Go a bit deeper with our topics. Um, definitely more guests. Mm-hmm. some um you know strong guests yeah and um just giving viewers and listeners a bit more of what what they already love but just a bit uh more information because the people that listen to us are looking for information yeah because we're very informational um and shouts out we have uh surpassed twenty five thousand listeners that is powerful unless yeah. unless let's not tell many people uh, my favorite podcast to come on are yours and Josh. <laughs> Josh is a whole another spectrum of yeah. uh, conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to get on his and bring we him on mine. All, yeah, we need yeah. to we need to do that. But, and Ladonna, yes, Ladonna Marquisha, my yeah. natural hair. Uh, We're gonna see them yes, tomorrow. Tomorrow at a lot of studio. When I post this. It'll be. It would have happened like, already. Yeah, you'll need the DeLorean and the and the professor. But yeah, a, a lot of studios happening. Piper, you're going to be hosting some podcasts for that, so that'll be a little bit different. Yeah, we're it'll doing be, the eighth and the fifteenth. Yeah, it'll be the Piper Carter podcast, but a little different and look because it's outside on, and everything. on location. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. And we've done shows on location yes. before, yes. so you know. But um, this is for the festival, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and shouts out to you because the festival has a beautiful energy. You've brought together amazing people. Um, some of it is a bit 
different than you would expect mm -hmm. like especially tomorrow right because yeah. i would never think of you know putting all those people together or even like last week right yeah it's like the way that you put things together is really creative and interesting and mm -hmm. um diverse and so it's, yeah trade is different these are like it always was introducing people to my homies mm. and, and you're one of those people i think like me you got a lot of different types of homies yeah yeah so you know and in the, in this communication in hip-hop term you have a very diverse network. So like we want to interview, introduce people to the diverse network so that they can have a formal way of connecting with people that may see things differently. And I see now, like we have so many connections, like yeah. the whole African centered thing, mm -hmm. the whole Nataki thing, yeah. the Northwestern thing, yeah. the being from the same hood type thing. Yes. The hip hop thing. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So that is so, yeah. I, I love it. Doing media yeah. and photography. And we're pop culture nerds pop too. Pop culture, even yeah. So you 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 stop at certain dynamics <laughs> of it, but we're still really pop culture nerds. Yeah, you go further too. than me. Yeah, I'm like, whoa! Yeah. You, I gotta you, put you my toes on the edge. Like, yeah, uh -uh. You, you don't step too much into the ratchet <laughs> culture. I, I, I don't. That. I don't. I'm you not know. over there. Exactly. I was listening to. Um, God knows what. I listen to all types of stuff. Like somebody was asking me, like, what you listening to? I'm like, ah, I don't know. G Perico, Aretha Franklin, Bobby Blue Bland. Uh, That's funny. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, uh, you know, Sergio Mendez, like my playlist yeah. is all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't have like, well, I might sometimes get into like a vein, mm -hmm. but my playlist is and it was unique. It's going to be all over the place. It was unique making your mom, seeing your mom's playlist uh, mm -hmm. at the memorial service. Uh, mm -hmm. And some songs that definitely kept going. Uh, it, it's it those songs, even like when my mom was the same way. My mom loved LPs. I got a lot of my mom's LPs mm -hmm. and just like seeing them, those connections, those spirits, the moods, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, you know, and, and it was since her passing, those songs that stand out in her mind, like that she loves stand out now more in my mind. And I can see that same connection for you. Like listening yeah. to some of that Donna Summer and and Diana Ross. It's like, yeah. you know, my mom wasn't really in that world per se. Mm -hmm. But like it's unique seeing those connections of like these songs bring back a memory of their memory. Yeah. And like cause this this music is the soundtrack, like you said, like how we started with KRS-One. It's the soundtrack to our lives. Mm -hmm. So this soundtrack to our life is like fragmented in snapshots, like, you know, yeah. where it's like, wow, you know, like I remember, here we go. First time we visited Howard by Aisha Shule, it was the African-centered um African-centered science fair. <laughs> That's we awesome. visited Howard. And this is around the time uh, TLC's first album came out. So, and then they had the baby, baby, baby video where they're like in reenacting in my mind, this is just an HBCU, but I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be, you know, Clark Atlanta, you know, so like Clark, mm -hmm. Morris Brown, Spellman, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Morehouse. But in my mind, it's like, oh, I wonder, was this supposed to be Howard, you know? Mm. But yeah. I mean, and, you know, we could have a whole nother tangent of show talking about soundtracks to life. You yeah. Know? You should do, you should do like a couple of shows like that. Yeah. Like yeah. The, do soundtracks. I got, I got something else I'm going to present to you. It's this documentary about Tupac and I haven't even watched it, but it's talking about uh, life through photos where it mm. just segments like 10 iconic photos of Tupac's life. I think mm. you would do something really dope with that. 
mm. uh, to speak about stuff like that. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, is it on Netflix? I'm gonna get it to you. I don't know where I okay. got it. You know, we 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 in the hood underground. Yeah, I feel you. Underground. Yeah, content and media. So, yeah. with that being said, I'm not even gonna give the usual, but um, let's give let's give a song your mom would probably be playing today. Let's say that. What song would your mom be playing today? <clears throat> and mm. we're gonna we gonna ride out with that. Uh, let me see. Hmm. So many songs, but if there's one song, uh, long ago, and oh, so far away, I fell in love with you before the second show. And your guitar, and you sound so sweet and clear. I can't hardly wait to be with you again. Don't you remember you told me you loved me, baby? You said you'd be coming back this way again, babe. Baby, 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 ooh, baby, oh, baby. I love you. I really do. I think that'll be a song. Wow. Damn, you can <laughs> sing. And that's a hard one to sing. My mom loved that Luther too. Oh, man. That, mom, Luther. That, Luther, that big Luther. That's big, big Luther. Oh, when he come back, and what to say? Oh, man, Luther. Oh, yeah. My yeah. mom used to just put the Luther on. Yeah. So, so, okay, so it'll be Luther. Yep. On repeat. Yeah. Um, Anita Baker will be on repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbara Streisand will be on repeat, mm-hmm. and um, so, well, it depends what era, but yeah. at a certain point, it would be um, maybe Commodores <laughs> uh, would be on repeat. The OJ's would be on repeat. Uh-huh. Uh, what was it? Um, yeah, maybe the Donna Summer at that time yeah. was on repeat. The Bee Gees would be on repeat. Mm-hmm. Um. My mom loved love songs. Yeah. And she mom, loved love songs. A, a lot of that, how you started off, my mom definitely appreciated a lot of them. Like, yeah, Anita, mm-hmm. Luther, uh, even Streisand. Like, yeah, my mom would listen to a lot of that. Uh, not the Commodores as much, though. She liked the Commodores. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that was definitely. With Lionel Richie. The back. Yeah, she yeah, loved Lionel like, Richie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would be Good Lionel Richie. Mm-hmm. Lionel, Lionel Richie. Jerry Curl Lionel Richie. It'll be Lana Ritchie. Yeah. And I mean, there were others, but those are the ones that like immediately Stand come out. to mind. Yeah. And um and 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 at certain points it would be Diana Ross too. Mm-hmm. The different eras of Diana Ross. Yeah. You yeah. know, she was all the different eras of Diana mm-hmm. Ross. Um but yeah, the all that would be those would be songs that would be definitely on repeat. Yeah. You know, over yep. and over and over. And um and 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 when I hear the songs, immediately I just think of my mom. Yeah, yeah, I know. And her energy, and it's just yeah. a soulful, 
beautiful, deep, mm. you know, artistic, you yeah. know, black woman, Detroit, yep. strong energy. Yeah, that song. Yeah. yeah, those songs definitely remind me of that black mm-hmm. business woman. Shoulder yes. pads suit. Shoulder pads, the <laughs> 80s, business woman. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the built, big belt with the big yes. loop. You know, yeah. shout out my Aunt Joyce, my Aunt Helen. You know, that that look. You know what I'm saying? The, yeah, successful the, the black woman. blouse. That don't the, take no mess. The, uh, what is that like? I don't yeah. know so much about clothing. Like with the with the would that be ridges in the yeah in the, in the blouse? Yeah, <laughs> gold earrings, pearls. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, all of that. Yeah, yep. you know, all of that. Yep, you know, and just you know, a no nonsense. Yep, yep. You know, and and classy, my mom was like tough, sexy, yeah, too. You know, yeah, professional, classy, sexy. You know, sensuous, but yeah. like really intelligent and on yes. it, and politically astute. Yep. And um sharp and yeah. witty, you know, um yeah, quick witted type of, of like, damn, that's that's a woman. That, yeah. that was that was what we saw, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like even even in the grocery store, you like, damn, she in a business suit in the grocery <laughs> store? Like, walking professionally, like with high oh, heels. Yeah. You know oh what yeah. I'm oh like, yeah. You like professional high heels at the grocery store. Yeah. And it's like you better walk right behind your mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I'm picking up a couple things because yeah. this is what I need for dinner. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And it's like, damn, it's like I yes. want to ask my mama for these pop tarts, but I know no, that's not on down. the list. That's not it on ain't the going list. Down, it's like yeah. we're going in here for the couple things. That's it, and nothing more. And her no is no. Her no is no. There isn't like there is no like nowadays young people will be like like if you say no, yeah. then they test you and they're asking no. My mom will give you that look and yeah. the look is like you got that right it wasn't no let's go to mcdonald's no, no it's it no a thought process to ask and if you and, and then the thing is like even if you thought <laughs> that you were gonna ask it's like she knew you were about to think to ask and then before you could even say whatever you're gonna say she'd look at you and she'd be like yep she'd just give you the look she wouldn't even have to say anything yeah she'd just give you the look yep and the look is no and the mm-hmm. look Without her using her mouth to tell you, the look is, didn't I just tell you no? Yes. But she doesn't, but she, she better not have to tell you that. Yes. She doesn't need to tell you that. Yep. You know, so yep. yeah, I just, oh, mommy, I yeah. miss you so much. Much just love. welcome your presence. Much love and respect. And thank you so much. Um, and we're going to keep carrying that legacy because it's obviously, uh, she's so much through you and she loved you dearly. Um, the 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 first time I met her, she definitely said, "I'm so proud of her." Oh, and, uh, and I was like, "Ain't this something?" And then she was just smiling because oh. she was getting an award up there with Nina at the museum. Oh. And then I, she, you were like, "Mommy, you back there?" And I, I'm like, "You pipe my mama." <laughs> 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 I was like sitting next to her for a minute. <laughs> yeah. No, she um and another thing, you know, um if you like I always tell people if you go to the Motown Museum mm-hmm. and there's they have the a time card thing. Mm-hmm. Her time card is that time card that's in there. Mm-hmm. There's a time card it's Maggie Jean Reeser. That's her time card. Mm-hmm. She was the original accounts payable for Motown all through um the 60s. Yeah. And so she made sure everybody got their check. Yeah, that was an important job. That was an important, important job. job. I'm sure my, uh, I'm sure another discussion with my good brother Clay McMurray, uh, 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 Joe Pep, would be interesting about that. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. Pep. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so thank you, thank you, thank you, Kari. Mm-hmm. Peace be. Peace.
Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.